Lord gives us gifts, and so often uh, we come to church and we sing and, and we hear beautiful things like that, and we think, oh, that's great, and, and we're grateful uh, that the Lord has given Diana that gift as well as Anne and some me and, and the choir and Donald. Um, we, we should never take those things for granted, not that we ever would, but don't be shy about showing your appreciation uh, to them as they use them for the, the glory of the Lord. They wouldn't, you know, it's not about us, it's about who we sing about. It's about who we give praise and glory to, and that is Jesus Christ. So let's turn to the Gospel of John, the first chapter. There's so many great verses and sections in this gospel. Uh, As we get to them, we'll see them, and and so many of them we have memorized. I think uh, uh, probably everybody in in this room, uh, if you've spent any time in Sunday school or church, one point or another you memorized John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Okay? I think I memorized it in King James. Was that uh, King James? Okay. Uh, there are plenty of other passages. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection. I am the vine. I am the truth. As we see, these are the things that help us understand who Jesus Christ is. Remember the purpose of the Gospel of John. So that you may know Christ, believe in him, and by believing may have everlasting life. We saw last week that that explanation of why we have this gospel doesn't come until the 20th chapter. As if we couldn't figure it out over 20 chapters about who Jesus is. And I always I give the one illustration of the, of the man who came into the pastor's office. But in, in doing some research, I have come across many pastors who have done that same thing. Someone comes in in a, in a seemingly hopeless situation, not knowing what to do or where to turn and the minister says well i can't help you but i know somebody who can they give them a gospel and say read that until you figure out who jesus is and they come back later and saying he is god and their life is forever changed that is the purpose of this gospel now we turn to the first very first couple verses And as I said last week, we'll spend a lot of time in the first chapter, and then we'll move pretty quickly throughout the rest of it, because it comes in big chunks. It spends an entire chapter on the same theme, so later we will do that. But for the first couple weeks, we will be in the first chapter of this gospel, because it is here that we get the base of who Jesus is. So pray with me. Heavenly Father, as we come to your gospel, this gospel of John, who, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has written these words that they might reveal to us who Jesus is. Come with your Holy Spirit and descend upon us, that we would have understanding, that our hearts, if they are darkened now to who Jesus Christ is, would be enlightened, that our eyes would be open. That if we already know who Jesus is, that he is our Lord and Savior, that he is the Son of God, that this would be so fixed and instilled in our hearts that we would fear nothing in this world, that we would be bold with the things of Christ. 
as well as gentle and compassionate with those things as well. Come, Heavenly Father, as we come to your word today and open our eyes to it. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. The Gospel of John is like no other gospel. The other three are different. They use common language. They use common uh, imagery. John does many different things. He doesn't talk about the birth of Christ because he is the... He is God. He is eternal. Uh, he doesn't talk about the baptism. He ta- doesn't talk about ascension. There are no parables in the Gospel of John. There are parables in the synoptics in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John, as we looked at last week, is more interested in the effects the Gospel has on the lives of those who hear it, on the lives of those who come in contact with Jesus, that they go away and are forever changed, where some come in face-to-face with Christ and their hearts are hardened. And they turn away and go the other direction. John also includes some things that the other gospel writers don't. The miracle of Canaan, the wedding, Nicodemus, uh, and of course the great things that Jesus says to his own disciples that last week. Remember, a full one-third of all the gospel material from all four gospels are centered on the last seven days of the life of Jesus. Of all the three years, one-third of the material is centered on seven days. Perhaps the most important thing that comes out of the Gospel of John or is, comes in these first few verses as an introduction to who Jesus is. We know the entire purpose of the Gospel is so that we might believe. But the purpose of the first, very first verses in the first chapter is so that we might understand who Jesus is. He is the Son of God, the second person of the eternal Godhead, the second person of the Trinity. Now... If you've been in church, if you're a believer in Christ, you're going, well, yeah, yeah, I know that. I'm pretty sure of that. It's all revealed uh, throughout Scripture. But we have to understand some of the ramifications of that. It is not, I mean, as I said earlier, the gospel writers are great for their economy of words. They just get right to the point. And this is one of those examples. Paul, he writes in big, long sentences, big, complex sentences, and he drags it out. It's full of theology, and it's rich. But the gospel writers, it's almost as if uh, they don't have time to get into some of the things that we would ask about. Remember we said yes last week that, well, if we were writing a gospel, we might include a description of Jesus. Or what did he do all those years when he was growing up? Did he ever talk back to his mom? We want to know those things, but they're not important. They're not theologically significant. And John says, I spent three years with Jesus. Right there with him all the time, following him around, listening to him, watching him do those miracles. And it took me those three years to figure out who Jesus was. And I don't want you to go more than three verses until you figure out who Jesus is. Okay? Don't wait three years. Three verses, figure out who he is. He is God. And all things came into being by him. He was used as the vehicle, the conduit for which the Creator created all things. All things were created by Him and through Him. We read earlier in Colossians, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. 
For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And for him. He is before all things. Now that ties in with the opening verse. In the beginning was the word. Now, as I remember kind of hazily my Greek class in seminary, which was many years ago, we would go in and Dr. Kelly, who was a very gentle and learned man, and he taught everything in the New Testament much more devotionally. He was very bright, but you you had Greek. And to learn Greek, which is a Koine Greek, it's not the Greek that they speak today over in Greece, it is biblical Greek, you study the first five chapters of the Gospel of John. Because everything that you need to know about biblical Greek is pretty much contained in those first five chapters. All the constructs, the endings, the tenses, etc. And Dr. Kelly would begin, and he would stand up, and he'd open his Greek New Testament. He's a Greek professor. You'd think he could translate it on the fly. Of course he could. And he said, before the beginning began was the word. And we're all looking at our Bibles and thinking, that's not what it says. Okay? But that's what the Greek says. We translate it out, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We translate it out to make it smoother. But in the Greek, it says, before the beginning began. Now, I want you to figure that one out. Okay? Spend a little time before the beginning began. See, in our finite minds, we have a beginning. Everything has a beginning. But Jesus was here before the beginning actually began. So it says in the first verse, Jesus is eternal. He's not created. He's not begotten. He is begotten, not made. We'll see that in a minute. But he is eternal. In the beginning, harkens back to the first chapters of Genesis as well. If you have a Greek um, translation of the Old Testament, these are the same words that are used in the opening words of Genesis. In the beginning. In the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. It's not an accident that these are tied together. So we see in other places in the great doxology in Jude. Jude says, To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forevermore. Before all time. Not in all time, but before all time. Paul in 2 Timothy says that God gave us grace in Christ Jesus before the times of the ages. Okay. The grace of our Lord did not start to be bestowed when we came on the scene. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ was active from all time because he and the Father and the Holy Spirit have been here from all time. See, we, we all have a beginning. You can go back to your birthday, November 11th, 1961. It's my birthday. I, I like cash on my birthday, just as an aside. Okay? Um, on my, my birthday, if you go back uh, uh, some nine-odd months, there you have Randy's beginning. Okay? That's my physical beginning, but I have never been outside of the mind of God. Well, if, if you didn't actually exist, Randy, how were you not outside the mind of God? Because God knows all things. Nothing gets by him. And if he is before the beginning of time, as we understand it, and he knows all things, then we have been in his mind from all time. I did not come into existence until that moment, yet in the mind of God I was real. 
and he had planned for me. He had numbered my days. He had numbered the hairs of my head. He had known that I was his, and he was going to choose me. Why? Because of his grace. Not because that I would look good or be good, but because of his grace and his perfect will. These are the things that we have to grasp with, and we're only in the first couple words here. In the beginning, before the beginning began, was the word. That was Jesus Christ. So what does this mean? Well, I don't know. Let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 1 and have a look. See if we can work to figure this out. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews, we don't, we don't know the author. We say only God knows the author of Hebrews. Um, but the way to read Hebrews is typically to read it while you're reading the book of Leviticus as well, so that you understand the sacrificial system. You understand all that they went through in an effort to attempt to please God and to jump through all the hoops of the law. And then you get to Hebrews and say, Christ is greater than these things. He's greater than angels. He's greater than Moses. The law is ultimately fulfilled in Christ. You no longer need to do that. And, and, and this is what, what goes on. And in the opening verses, it makes it very clear. Hebrews chapter 1. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days he has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. Okay? Again, reiterating that Christ is the eternal Son through whom all things are made. Through whom all things are made. Now, back to John. In the beginning, literally before the beginning began, was the Word. Now, what does the Word mean? If you have your Bible, you can see that the Word is capitalized. So it must be something else. We'll see what the Word is. Look at verse 14 of chapter 1. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory... Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the incarnation. This is that big term we use, theological term, incarnation. God became flesh. Jesus Christ, who is before the beginning began, who was sitting at the right hand of the Father, at the Father's perfect timing, sent his Son, and his Son came and took on the flesh of humans. He was a 100% man while still being a 100% God. That is the incarnation. God came and dwelt among us. This was the only way that our sins could be erased, is if God came and did it. See, we could not work our way to God. We could not make ourselves right enough to be accepted into his presence. He who is offended by our sin had to send his son to make us right so that he could draw us into his presence and pronounce us forgiven. This is the work of the only begotten the one who was before the beginning. Turn again over to 1 John chapter 1, all the way in the back, right before Jude and Revelation. This is the same author as the gospel. In fact, John wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, these little epistles to the church, and then he wrote the Revelation. In fact, he was taken up and the Lord revealed to him things concerning what would yet have to happen. 
in 1 John chapter 1. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we beheld and our hands handled concerning the word of life, and the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifest to us, what we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also, that you may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. This is a reiteration of the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, who was from before the beginning, came in flesh. John says we beheld him. I touched him. I ate with him. I saw him hungry. I saw him tired. I saw him burdened with, with, with struggles and pains. I saw him do miraculous things. He says we saw all these things in the flesh because, verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The one who has no beginning looked like us. Except he was perfect. Except he was perfect. If you're back in 1 John, keep going back to chapter 19 of Revelation. These are the things of the coming of Christ at the last judgment, the final things when all of history will be, in a, in a sense, wrapped up in this world. Chapter 19 of Revelation, verse 13, this talks of Christ. And he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Now jump down to 15, and from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may smite the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. It is the word of God that comes from the mouth as a sword. It comes from the mouth of the word of God. See, this, this concept of the word of God, and the word of God is the power of God unto salvation. That is clear from Scripture. But we have the word of God who is before the beginning, that is Jesus Christ. And then we have the word of God, these words in black and white that are so powerful when they are enlightened, when our our hearts and minds are opened according to the things of the Holy Spirit. These are all wrapped up and we're, we're in the first verse of the Gospel of John. See, John doesn't mince words. He wants us to understand. And when we look at the at this uh, word, word, we in in the 21st century have to think a lot and have to go through all of this to grasp what it means. The people in the first century understood it. They understood this concept of logos. That's word in Greek. They understood what it meant. So when John says he was the word, they all went, get out. Are you kidding me? He's the word? He is the word of God who was from prior to the beginning. See, what this means is as we work through the gospel, we will get to know Christ. And if we get to know Christ, we will get to know the Father. For if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. See, they are the same essence. They are the same essence. Now, for those of you who, uh, in uh, third grade Sunday school, memorized a variety of things, every once in a while we do it. It's the Nicene Creed. Okay? The one portion of the Nicene Creed that I still remember is God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made. That describes whom? Jesus. Okay? Why is that so important? Well, you see, there was a heresy called Arianism. 
And it was saying that Jesus Christ was made. He was the firstborn in the sense of the first one made by the Father. So we have only one God, and that is the Father. And Jesus would be his son who was made. And the Nicene Creed says, no, that's not true. And you say, okay, well, Rand, that's nice. That was 400 A.D., 1,600 years ago. What does that have to do with us? You ever had a Jehovah's Witness come to your door? This is the way that Jehovah's Witness will translate the first, chapter, the first verse of the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. Okay. Now, in Wilmington, North Carolina, Jehovah's Witness comes to my door. We're talking about the first verse, the first chapter of the Gospel of John. And he says, no, no, your, your translation is in air there. And I said, it is? Well, let me go check it. So I went and I got my Greek New Testament. Well, he wasn't expecting that, okay? I mean, it... it you know, it's, it's, it's like, uh, well, I don't know even how to describe it. You come to the door, and what are you expecting? You're expecting a nice conversation where the person really doesn't understand the Greek, and then somebody pulls out a Greek New Testament and says, Ah, A.N.R. Cain, hey, Logos, that's, this is talking about the God. Definitive article. Okay? This is not a God. This is the God. Oh, okay. I tried to be gentle, but, you know, I had to smash him. Okay? A Muslim will do the same thing. Jesus is not the Son of God. He is a prophet. Okay? And, and, and the Jehovah's Witnesses have a particular translation of the Bible that fits their theological view. Okay, that's, that's how they work here. That's how they come up with that phrase. The Arians in the 4th century said there was a time when Jesus was not. John's gospel says what? Before the beginning began was the word. So he has been here from all time. And in the midst of this, he was in the beginning with God. Okay, he was in the beginning, and the word was God, and the word was with God. Okay, he was in the beginning with God, and now all things came into being by him. All things came into being by him. Nothing which... which has been created, came into being, unless it was done through Christ. And why was it done? It was done for his glory. Okay? All that we see around us, all the things that were created, were done for his glory. You think, well, we were placed here, what? So that we might give him glory. The chief end of man is to glorify God. That is our purpose here. That is the purpose of the trees. That is the purpose of the air we breathe. To bring glory to the one who was here before the beginning began, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So I understand. When we come to this first couple verses of the Gospel of John, this is not just, as it could be, just God. It is God. It is our Savior. It is our Lord. It is the one who has created us. It is the one who has ordered all things for us, so that in our lives, from the words of our mouths, from the actions of our hands, that the things of Christ might be seen, and he would receive glory. And that's just the short version of the first three verses, okay? The short version. So powerful are these words that we can simply read over them and say, well, of course, in the beginning was the word. Of course it was was before the beginning. The Word was with God. Of course the Word was with God. Why? Because the Word was God. They are the same essence, but yet distinct persons. You have the Father, 
You have the Son, you have the Holy Spirit. The same essence, three people, is the Trinity. I can't describe it any clearer than that. It simply is. And everything that we see has been has come into existence for his glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what... How can we even get our minds around these things? We who are finite, we who think in indefinite beginnings, indefinite endings, we who are so concerned about time, we have our watches, we have our alarms, we have our schedules, but yet you are outside of that. You are beyond that. There is never a time when you or Jesus, our Lord, or the Spirit were not here. And there never will be a time when you are not here. You who have created all things. You who through your son have put these things into motion. You still have placed us here. We who are imperfect. We who are so fallible. We who are fickle and weak. But yet we who are created in your image. We who are sinful and that sin offends you. But yet you have made a way through the work of your perfect Son, the Word of God, that our sin might be cleansed. That we might be able to come to you, not on our own works, not on anything in our hands, but only cling to the things of Christ and his cross. And you've done this because of your great love for we who are sinful. Lord, this doesn't make sense to our human minds, yet this is the truth. This is what we find here in your Word. These are the promises that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that we will be saved. That you will do this great work in our lives. Lord, you have called us today to come to your table. For you have ordered things that we would be here. That we would hear this. And for some, Lord, we pray that they would believe. That they would confess with their mouth and believe with their heart. That Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. As we prepare for communion, let's stand and sing the first two verses of 268, Jesus, thy blood and righteousness. 268, let's stand as we sing.